0: so how's it going man let's just start yeah this kind of like the inaugural episode we'll see how this goes of the world's strongest opinion because uh we've all got opinions and you know what opinions are like (laughs) right they're like (laughs) assholes everybody's got one and they're real shitty and ours are probably no exception uh you know, although we like to think that they are objectively correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna like we're gonna see where this goes. I mean, there is uh, you know, I've I've actually been competing now for over 14 years in strong man. Uh been uh been some places, you know, seen some shit and done some shit. Um, and of course, you know, over time I've I've developed some very strong opinions on various things. Um it's not intended to throw anybody under the bus. Like I'm never gonna like point my finger or, you know, call anybody out in particular, you know, anything that I ever talk about when we, uh, when we get into this is just from my years of experience, um, things that maybe I, I wish were different. Um, but you know, I think it all comes with a caveat and understanding. I think it's important that, you know, no matter what direction these conversations go, that, you know, at the end of the day, there's not a lot, there's really not a lot of money in in astronomy and that's not just for athletes. That's for promoters also. Um, you know, we, you know, promoters by and large, um, volunteer their time, with very limited resources, sometimes with very high expectations, um, so so you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, my intentions aren't to to bust anybody's balls in particular, um, but you know, we have opinions and and we want to talk about it, and hopefully, in the end, it it leads to construction uh, constructive conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that's a important part is really just trying to help move the sport forward because I think. Talking to you has been eye-opening because sometimes I've only ever competed like as a novice and at the local level, but I've helped volunteer at a lot of shows, including like the USS Pro International, which that could be a whole discussion in and of itself as the new, new pro shows that are everywhere and stuff. But I think like trying to help grow the sport is important. Like earlier in the week, talking about like the world records and everything of like the importance of, trying to keep things moving forward, because I think in people's minds, I know, at least volunteering, at shows people have these really high expectations, almost like this is our full time job. And it's like, for most of us, we've worked our 40 hours, we've trained our seven hours or whatever more a week. And now we're doing this as an extra thing to help make it happen. And I think it's important to keep growing the sport, but also adding legitimacy, especially now that there are more eyes on the sport and everything. I think um, I know you talked about wanting to talk about like the world records and how that's handled these days, but also there are so many things of, like the fact of, like you said, we've talked about it before. The fact that novice is usually the largest category in any local show, which makes things hard for like a lot of the open guys really test themselves before they get to nationals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously I've got, I've got opinions on all that. (laughs) It's a big (laughs) surprise. Um, Yeah. You know, um, I mean, as far as the world world records things go, you know, I posted about that recently Um, and, you know, and, and, and I got some feedback, you know, I don't have like a huge following or anything. And, and, you know, some people and some, some important people commented behind the scenes. Um, I think we all agree that, you know, that there needs to be some legitimacy added to, to strongman, especially if we're going to call it a sport, right. Um, sports have some manner of standardization. Um, that's not saying that we absolutely have to go the route of like powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting and narrow all of our events down. So, you know, so they're perfectly standardized, but, but, um, you know, as far as world records go, you know, right now, and, and and again, not, not saying that anything should be wiped clean or that, that previous world records or the current world records weren't legitimate. You know, that's not, not what I'm trying to say. We don't know, right. That's, that's really the conversation is, um, we don't know what the world records actually were because they've never been verified. Right. Not saying, not saying that they aren't what they were quoted, um, but yeah, uh, I'd love to see um, as a fan, right? Not just an athlete, like and, and you know. And I think as athletes, we are fans too, right? We're not just athletes; we're we're the primary fans of the sport. <laughs> and so I, I I try to look you know objectively at the sport as a fan too. Um, I hope that doesn't pop up on my screen. I've got messages coming across oh my from. Um, but yeah, we, we don't have any standardization, so it'd be really great to start seeing, um, you know, just not, not just the athletes, like kind of demanding it, but promoters kind of stepping up just that little bit and start weighing these implements, um, on, on camera for everybody to see so that we know that they are actually what they say they are, especially when we're, we've got event or world records can be beaten by, you know, a 10th of a kilogram, (laughs) Um, you know, it's, uh, how do we know that, that it was actually beaten if it's not weighed, right? We know that there's a lot of discrepancies in non-standardized plates, you know, non-calibrated plates, every log is a different dimension and different weight and, you know, so-and-so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see, see that as a, as a big step in advancement in the sport and, you know, legitimizing
1: it as a sport, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think even seeing it at the local level, you see things kind of change so fast on the fly or weights. A lot of times I can't count how many times I've seen them say that the axle bar weighs 35 pounds and, you know, it's a Titan one that's probably 28 to 33 pounds. Like that's a difference. Like that can make a huge difference when you're going for a record on something. Yeah, absolutely, and and as athletes, we see that, right? And that's kind of where
0: you know my my thought process is derived from. Because I mean, you know, maybe it doesn't matter so much in competition itself, you know, uh, cause as long as everybody's doing the same exact weight on the same implement implements, right? And we know they all weigh the same. Does it really matter if it's a few pounds off? No, because everybody's doing the same exact weight when it comes to world records. Uh, the difference, again, like I said, you know, an iron mine. Uh, Axel is 33 pounds, pretty standard. I think they're pretty consistently 33 pounds, but it's not uncommon for people to call them 35. Why? Because it's easier math, right? And <laughs> yeah. That's what it is at the end of the day. And I get it, but you know, we're talking about a world record. World records are actually becoming uh, um, pretty significant today. I mean, you know, for the under 105K class that I compete in, Axel and Log are both well over 400 pounds now, right? I mean, um, Emmanuel Pascari just hit 190 lock, 190 kilogram lock, which is, you know, about, I think that's 418 pounds. So, um, you know, we're not talking about small weight anymore. We're talking about legitimate weight. Uh, people are starting to win legitimate money for these. Um, you know, what I mean, uh, it, it's starting to make a wave in the sport. And so I think it's time that we start taking just a little bit extra time and weighing those on camera, not just for the athletes behind the scenes, right? For the fans because it's the fans ultimately, you know, that are going to grow the sport, in my opinion. Um, you know, you mentioned growing the sport before. Well, what does that mean? To, to It means something different to everybody, right? To, to some promoters, growing the sport means more people, more athletes, because that's the primary source of income, right? That's a growth factor, right? But if we want external money in the sport, we have to grow the audience. and And to grow the audience, I think there's got to be um, some manner of standardization so that they, you know, it's not, not only
1: is it believable, but it's trackable. Right. Yeah. I think that's huge, especially and, and comprehensive. Too. Yeah. Cause I know uh, at least for that level, especially once like the weights are so high, because we really are pushing like the limits of what's humanly possible at this point, that it does make this difference because it is hard of like, you can't really wipe away records, but it's hard to compare things so often of like people will talk all they want about the ipf and their new bench arch rule and everything but the ipf has like you they i think they do like two-hour weigh-ins like they have all these things to try to make it as standardized as possible and i think that can make a difference of like you have different promoters will people usually try to aim for that 24-hour weigh-in but then there's all different kinds of gear that can be used and you look of like I mean, it makes a huge difference when you're doing an axle clean and press, like if your comp allows grip shirts or not, or what kind of grip shirts they allow.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the difference between cleaning a log with and without a a grip shirt is, I mean, in my opinion, night and day, I don't like grip shirts. Uh, I wish they would go away. Um, I think it's, you know, we, we strongman. I, don't know. I always say strongman's for cheating so maybe I'm being a hypocrite by <laughs> saying I wish they would go away. I guess I don't care if they're there one way or the other. But yeah, there's got to be some manner of consistency um, on on world records, you know, but who who do we go to to ensure that happens? So, you know, that's kind of the big question. There's no overarching uh, committee that that decides the rules of strongman. So you've got, you know, and we're becoming more and more splintered and becoming more and more like powerlifting every day with more and more organizations popping up with their own standards or their own rules or concepts of how things should be done. Um, and that's where I believe, you know, it's gotta be the athletes, right? The athletes have got to really be the one that, that demand, um, the bar to be raised, you know, I mean, sometimes there's this thought, you know, I think it's a little culty sometimes in strongman that, You know, you're not allowed to complain because you're lucky you get anything at all. Right. (laughs) Well, well, you know, but but at the end of the day, also, you know, athletes in the vast majority of athletes are paying um, to compete. Right. We're we're paying for our travel, for our lodging, you know, equipment purchases, We're putting pumping a lot of money into the sport in one way or the other. I mean, lodging and travel isn't go directly to sport, but your, your equipment purchases, supplements, right? Sanctioning fees, membership fees, whatever the case, whatever those are, right? That's a direct uh, injection of money into the sport itself. Uh, and I know myself over 14 years, I mean, I've asked, I don't know what the exact number is, but I've estimated, you know, I've put $150,000 at least in this strongman, right? Which is... You know, and I've probably made maybe three thousand dollars in that time period. So um, you know, I kind of I, you know, my, I kind of feel like I have a right to have a little bit of an expectation, right? If I'm gonna pay to go compete, um don't i have don't I have a, a voice in the conversation then that you know, maybe it should be, there should be some minimum standards. Like again, understanding that promoters are volunteering their time, and it's not easy, right, to put on a show. I understand that. I uh, understand it very well. Uh, but at the same time, if you're going to take that that uh, responsibility on, um, I think you you still need to answer to some extent, right, to the athletes if if they're willing to say, "Hey, we need to do better." Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, I think it really is up to the athletes, and 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 the the athlete body is either gonna you know say yes we want better or, or no it's okay you know none of us have any control over the entirety of the the community but you know my hope is is that you know at some point the athletes are gonna start you know demanding standards be raised uh, you know demand that that you know things like world records again has has a minimum standard. Yeah,
1: because I think that makes a big difference. Of like, I think my experience being at like the lower level of it, it I was surprised to see how much of that actually flows up. Of like, how often I can't count how many times I've heard like, it's strongman events change, like weights change, like it's just kind of like on the fly, and it's that can be a huge difference of in the middle of a competition of like if the height of the bag over bar is changed or gets stuck at a certain point or someone forgets a certain weight of sandbags these things. And I think trying to establish kind of like a larger consensus and everything, but also that planning of, because I think mo- so many people I know who promote local shows are trying to move their way up and everything because that's the way you grow. And I think having, trying to set expectations across the board, but it's hard, like you said, because there is that difference of like, I it was interesting seeing what was it the uh, Shaw classic the first year when he said you couldn't use figure eights for the Hummer tire deadlift that was like a move of some people are saying because you realize watching some of these guys in figure eights it's just your fingertips on the bar that's a different lift than like yeah around
0: yeah no I agree um you know again so yeah. There are a lot of areas that, you know, of discrepancy and strongman. I don't know which ones are more important, um, you know, because, again – you know, strong man is kind of for cheating, (laughs) you know, we've been getting away with just about anything for years. Right. I mean, we, we put on double belts. Some people are wearing double elbow sleeves, right. Uh, Neoprene head to toe grip, grip shorts, grip shirts, tacky, right. On the various events, whatever, but, but, it's not okay to to pull sumo, for instance. Like, oh, that's, that's suddenly cheating, right? And <laughs> I mean, again, in certain regards, you know, shorter people pulling sumo on 18-inch deadlift aren't even going to break it off the ground. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, yeah, some of those standards, uh, you know, from one promoter to the next or preferences, I guess, is really what they are. Uh, that, those don't bother me so much. Oh, okay. um, you know, again, you know, as, as world records being sort of that baseline that, well, records in general, right, are the baseline that all sports measure progress over time, right? I mean, every sport has records that they look back, and you can say, you know, thirty years ago, you know, the sport, you know, was only achieving, you know, this, whatever it is, right? Today, the the achievements are, you know, far greater. Um, so it is sort of a baseline. It's, uh, I think, I think records are very important to be kept, and but they need to have. Those, in the very, very least, in my opinion, need to have some kind of standardization and consistency. Um, otherwise, uh, like you just said, I mean, you kind of alluded to it in, in competition. Well, it's not the same lift, right? <laughs> if one guy's pulling figure eights with his fingertips, well, it's not the same lift, and and it's kind of the same thing with um, one log to the next is can be different, right? I mean, a ten-inch log versus a thirteen-inch log is is relatively the difficulty level is different right the difference between loading a 20 inch stone to a 22 is significantly different um you know so so where is that where's that middle ground that everyone can agree on that this is there there, there are some minimum standards that we have to meet right and and nothing is standardized so in order for everyone to know and and believe that the weight was what it said, rather than just taking somebody's word for it, because again, not saying any promoters are doing this on world records, but we've seen it so many times in every other aspect of the sport, calling an implement an even number because it's easy, right? How do we know that's not happening with world records? And so, um, I think to be fair to to, to uh, other record holders, right? If you're going to go try to beat their record, um, I think it's unfair to them to potentially uh, have lifted something less, right? Because it's not verified. Nobody's weighed it. Or at least it's not weighed for the whole world to see, right? Yeah. How do we know that it's, you know, not slightly less than what you say it is? Um, or Or vice versa, right? What happens if that guy that just set a world record, lifted 10 pounds more than what it was quoted as, right? That just robbed him out of, you know, somebody else is going to come in and beat it by another pound, right? When possibly, you know, they're still nine pounds off. So, yeah. so I think it adds, I mean, there's a, there's a good logical reason to start weighing all these uh, world records and maintain some, some consistent standards and,
1: and, uh, and ultimately add additional legitimacy to the sport. Yeah, I I personally was surprised to see how many events I've seen of like state and national records and even now world records, seeing not using calibrated plates. Like at least in my experience, like rogue plates can be different. Of of course, the more expensive your plates are, like the variance gets smaller and smaller. But you think some of these plates, if you're looking at hundred pound plates, but you're allowed to have a two to three percent variance, like that adds up of these things. Oh, yeah. Cause I, yeah. the most, the one that's always fascinating to me is like watching the log lifts and everything where sometimes I'm like, those aren't, those aren't calibrated plates. Like we know they're nice rope plates or whatever, but they're not, they don't have that, uh, that look or that standardization of like, that's the interesting thing with powerlifting is pretty much using all the same kind of calibrated plates. Like you all know what yeah. the like 25 kilo plates look like that are variances minuscule and I know from my experience you also can be really humbled by lifting on calibrated plates because I know um there was a big deal when well I know he's just an online entertainer but he does some like strongman stuff but Mufu, who got me into strength sports and stuff like he was talking about how he had almost a 700 pound deadlift in him and he was so excited about it Went to a comp and then on calibrated plates, I think struggled with like six sixty. And you're like, it's a completely different lift if you're not used to that because there are those variances. Yeah, I think with with calibrated plates, a lot of times and the collars they utilize put
0: yeah. tightens everything up much more than you're used to in in the yeah. gym. Right, Slot, pulling up, pulling a tight, pulling with plates that are tightly secured to the bar versus you know just barely hanging on there with a little spring clip. It's different. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, you know, I don't I don't know if, you know, baby steps, right? Baby steps. Uh, I don't think we need to get into the, the yeah. you know, the minutiae of, of subtleties like that just yet. Yeah, someday it would be really great. I mean, on deadlifts, I think, you know, if you're going to do a standard deadlift for a world record, it, it better be with calibrated plates, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, no question about it. And it better be, you know, uh, uh, a Texas Power Bar, Oki Power Bar, something that we know is standardized—20 kilograms or, you know, 45 pounds, you know, whatever. Um, so there's no question about it. Uh, but again, I mean, even you know, even half Thor went and weighed all of his calibrated plates, his clips. <laughs> Right. Well, as his, his team did, you know, the helpers did, um, you know, that was probably the most legitimate uh, world record, in my opinion, <laughs> ever set, even though it's so controversial because he was done it when nobody could compete in his own gym. Um, so be it. But, but the legitimacy of what he lifted, you can't question. It. I mean, and-
1: I don't know how you could I mean. I uh, think that brought so many eyes to the sport too, because I know so many people were impressed by that. Because I think it's one of the first times in a while that so many friends I have, who are more passive fans and everything, being able to actually see it weighed out and know this is objectively 501 kg. Absolutely. That I mean, that's what really kind of
0: opened, started opening my eyes to it. I mean, it all goes back to that lift, right? That was. Um, well, I mean, I think World's Ultimate Strongman continued that. That trend too with every um record breaker that they did that was remote um weighing everything on camera. I mean, so so I mean, I don't know if that was Hathor's idea, if it was uh, Mark Boyd's idea, right? Or somebody at World's Ultimate Strongman, which I guess he's not really associated with anymore. But um but yeah, I mean, that kind of started like opened my eyes. I'm like, why isn't anybody else doing this? And and um you look back for years and world's strongest man and Maybe it didn't matter back then when World Strongest Man was the only strong man organization there was, right? That it was their world records and they could be whatever they want to be. But but now today, uh, and you know, and a lot of those organizations still don't recognize each other's world records, which I think is again it is left up to us as the athletes of the fans to decide what is the actual r- world record, right? We have that ability. We have that power to say, you know, we don't care that you say it's 500 kilograms. We know for a fact that 501 was pulled, right? Whether or not it was more, you know, significantly different or not. It was more weight, period, end of story, right? Um, and, and also as fans as, and as athletes, we have the power to say, you know, hey, in the future, moving forward, You know, you haven't, uh, you didn't weigh your, your world record on camera for us to see, to verify.
1: We're no longer going to accept that. Right. Like, even if it's just something of like people offering it as a behind the scenes, but having it on video somewhere where it's verified, like, I think it's important because I think it's interesting you bring up half the word saying because that was so controversial because some people, they were like, it's a comfort of his own gym. That's so much better. But I know at least for me of uh, that can setting can make a huge difference of like, I can imagine that for many people pulling in front of a stadium of people going wild is a completely different, like emotionally charged event than yeah. pulling in your gym with the people you routinely see.
0: Absolutely. I've, I've never performed better in, in my, in the gym as I have in competition. Yeah, I was performing better when I'm, I'm away from home, you know and I mean? That's, that's not either here nor there. I mean, I don't know, what, how half Thor, you know, how that affected him that day or not. I, me, I don't care. Like the guy pulled 501 pounds. It was done with Ver uh, uh in there, you know, he was the official judge. Um, you know, I mean, everything was weighed. He was given a time limit on rests in between sets. I mean, it was very, it was very strictly, uh, organized and executed. Um, I, you know, just because somebody else wasn't pulling in between his attempts, you know, that to me, that doesn't change the dynamic that much, and right? It, his rest, he still had to pull, I think it was every 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. Which, I, I'm okay with it. I, I'm not going to argue it. Uh, the dude pulled a 501 kilograms, which, and, and he did it with relative, what looked like relative ease, right. I, he didn't almost die afterwards. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I will. I will consider that until that's broken, um, you know, even by a half a kilogram that that's the world record. I mean, that it is what it is. Uh, it was done under unique circumstances. The world was in a unique place. Um, you know, people came together and and solved. Solved a problem and still made something happen And to me,
1: that's kind of incredible in itself. So I think so. And I think that that's the difference to me is like, I think that's why I was so impressed by it to be able to pull without that stadium full of people and everything. Cause you saw the difference it made of like the Shaw classic year one versus year two of having an audience does change your performance level stuff. And it helps. And I think that having that verification though, I think for other people, it's helpful to like, know because I think, especially now that we are pushing the limits, it's not like, I'd say looking back five, even 10 years ago, people were breaking records by like a substantial amount of kilos and everything. Like if, if you didn't weigh your plates, but you're still beating it by 20 kilograms, like that's, a, that's, that's a I mean, different if there, thing. But now we they be- were
0: calibrated plates, I, you know, yeah. that's fine. So I, I, I feel like if you're yeah. going to use, if you're going to use standardized equipment, you don't need to weigh it, right? That's the yeah. point of standardized equipment um, is so that it's, identifiable right we can look on a, any video using calibrated plates and and count the weight because it's color coordinated right <laughs> um so we know pretty readily that it weighs what is quoted um whereas again you know you use you know use high temp bumpers on a on a pit bull log right <laughs> yeah i mean it. The, those things, the variation, I mean, they're not, they're not, they're, they've always been a nice log, right? Uh, uh, nothing against pimple by any means, but the variation in the weight of those logs can be 15 pounds. And I've seen it in very, in, in different logs. I mean, we've got one here that's 83. I know somebody that's got one that's 95. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, 12 pounds difference, but, um, and then high temp plates. I mean, I've seen those. I've very, you know, two pounds on 45s up and down, um, you know, the standard metal plates, the ones that say standard on them, you yeah. know, which is kind of a oxymoron because they're <laughs> those things have a ton of areas. I've got, I've got some of those down in my basement that, you know, there's probably a four to five pound variance between some of them up and down, right? Some of them are less than 45. Some of them are over a uh, hundred pound standard plates. Uh, um, you know, I've seen those, very, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I was just talking with my buddy John Cotton about some of them at one of the gyms here. Um, he weighed one of them and it was 111 pounds. Right? <laughs> I weighed one of them with 109. And I, when he told me it was a lot, I thought, I thought I had I could I weighed the heaviest one, right? one of them was 111 pounds. So, you know, you go throw those into a competition, you know, on a on an iron mine axle, you know, call it 633, it could actually be
1: 663. You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which makes a huge difference, I think, just having that, and I think a part of it, especially as the sport expands, like there is the money to get the calibrated plates and everything to add that legitimacy
0: and everything yeah, I mean be- calibrating plates have become very expensive and again, or, I mean,
1: or at least weighing it yeah. out then at the upper
0: at the upper levels, yeah, um so so you know maybe there's there is a difference when we talk about um you know, doing actual world records versus state records, you know, state records I'm not too concerned about, you know, yeah, it'd be nice if they were, you know, weighed and verified and everything too. But, you know, um, those are kind of nice to have, but they're not as, as contended, rather contested as as world records are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I kind of feel that if you're going to um, hold a competition where there's a world record, you need to you need to be a little bit more prepared, probably, or don't do it. Um, yeah. you know, and if that and if that means you know acquiring calibrated plates to do you know something like a deadlift and and again i'm not I'm not opposed to using standard plates on a, a standard bumper plates, you know, generic bumper plates or anything on any implement uh if you weigh it on on camera right and 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 sh- prove that the the scale is uh is calibrated, right? I mean scales can be yeah. far off. And maybe that's where, you know, hey, you better bring a calibrated plate to put on the scale to show any discrepancies before you weigh uh, the implement. But, you know, it doesn't matter. We just weight at the end of the day. All that yeah. matters is weighs what you say it does. I and, so, and yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I am saying that if you can't do that, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> Again, my opinion shitty as it is maybe you shouldn't be putting on uh maybe you should
1: be holding a world record breaker if you can't verify the weight so what would your opinion be because i've been fascinated hearing about this recently i remember this came up during one of the i think feats of strength or one of the record breakers thing um about atlas stones of like now that sometimes people put like the lead or like make them heavier what do you think about because that can really change the lift of some of these stones that like were set with a 24 inch or 22 inch stone that then they make it heavier and it's a 20 inch stone, which is actually a different lift and everything. What do you feel about things like that? Is it so, weight is it weight or?
0: So, no, uh, again, diameter changes the dynamic. Um, and and I'm, I'm a firm believer that on Atlas stones for men, at least, um you know, I don't have a lot of opinions on women's records because I don't don't feel like that's my place to really speak. But um, on men's world records, I definitely think that um, they should be done on a 21 inch stone over 48 inches standard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So I don't know what that is in centimeters on the stone, but I believe that's 122 height, 122 centimeters for the height Um but that's that should be very standard. You're right because doing doing a 20 inch stone versus a 22 is is a whole different lift. But you know we we got to set some standards because where if we don't, then somebody's going to come and lift you know a 500 pound 22 inch stone and say, well, since it's technically harder, shouldn't that be the world record? And so does everybody have to do it on a 21 inch, 22 inch stone? You know. Let's just have some let's just just have a, a some standards, um, something to agree on that everybody can agree on. Uh, and you know I personally, my opinion, and I know others are, are the same as 21 inch stone over 48 inches for world records. For absolute for max, right? I, I, I honestly don't care how many reps somebody can do. What's you know, just stick to the max.
1: That makes sense. Because I think having those small things, because like you said, that can really change the dynamic. So I think just trying to have like those standardizations and everything, because also it, I think the thing that made half the words so legitimate is the fact that everything was standardized and weighed out. So you knew and everything. And I think that helps people have confidence in the sport. And everything because I think it adds unnecessary controversy to not weigh these things out or to not use standardizations because then you do have this very different thing of like you have some people setting records in Grip shirts, some people without and like you said that's a completely different experience and the yeah, law. I know and I know
0: that uh, you know I don't think I don't hear a lot of complaining, mind you, uh not on the men's side. And I'm and I'm not saying that the women complain either, but I know that there was some complaints not long ago. Uh, amongst some female athletes that um, were weren't allowed to wear a grip shirt after uh, someone else was that set a a world record and I know that you know caused a little bit of uh, a little animosity I think Um, and so yeah I mean again having some minimum standard for you know personal protective equipment personal gear whatever it is is necessary and you know in my opinion, world records should never be done in grip shirts. Um, you know, grip shirts. I mean, strongman's for cheating. Yeah. <laughs> strong for cheating. Um, but you know, it, it, again, if we don't, if we don't set a standard, you know, um, somebody's going to do it in a grip shirt, and then everybody afterwards is going to say, "Well, now we get to do grip shirts." And then you know, where's it in? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's kind of a slow progression anyway but um you know we got to have a standard my opinion is it's no grip shirts right pretty standard equipment uh knee sleeves elbow sleeves soft belt hard belt have been around forever i don't see any reason you can't use that wrist wraps right no no tacky chalk only you know including spray tack that would be my preference because again i mean you know, my weight class, Camby did the uh, axle clean and press uh, at the first 2021 clash. Um, He did it on a non-rotating axle too, right?
1: Yeah, the welded on, yeah.
0: Um, You know, he did, there was no belt clean, like which I'm all for, you know, and the axle world record, there shouldn't be no belt clean. Um, You know, but does it have to be on a, on a, non-rotating axle moving forward i mean it's significantly harder right i mean is that where we you know is that what it, it needs to be moving forward probably but we need to send that standard so that it doesn't change again right um, yeah but not everybody has access to a non-rotating axle you can make one of course but
1: um, it's a but I mean, very different thing that was a,
0: a, an insanely insanely impressive lift if you haven't
1: seen it it was 417 or something or what was it because yeah, it was
0: yeah, and it was stupid. Fun. And he made it look just stupid easy. <laughs> on yeah. Competition, no doubt. Right. Um, yeah. you know, which is a which is another topic of conversation. Um, you know, I did post uh, myself and Luke Davies talk a little bit about this stuff. And, you know, I agree with him that world records should be uh no more than a twenty-four hour weigh in. But if it's done in competition, like on day three, I mean. Yeah you know fine fine you know uh dude competed for two hard days previously and still hit a world record on day three of a heavier uh portion of the competition it's about as legit as it gets right
1: yeah no that was because so many of the ones you see the axle it's like now they have the rogue the 70 pound wagon wheel bumpers almost and it's like the plates can't rotate where's that welded on like that was yeah. Just an astounding feat of strength and everything. Yeah. That- yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, you know, uh, Zach McCarley came and attempted it this year. Um, yeah. And he, I think he commented afterwards that he's like, that is way harder. <laughs> way yeah. harder
1: to clean a non rotating axle. Um,
0: so and I so- think.
1: Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And seeing without um, – did Iron BB, when he did 477, that was no grip shirt, right? Because I remember he struggled to clean it like four times doing exactly. it. Um, I think it was Giants Live a few years ago, or maybe it was last year. Iron BB, he's from a, one of the competitors from Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what Iron BB is. Okay, yeah, they no. don't allow – I don't believe they allow grip shirts, I but I'm 100% it. positive. So Giants Live is that that's not part of like they're not their own federation or how the, those larger federations work because Clash so, is part of Strongman Core, right? Or is it?
0: No, uh, Giants Live, I believe, is its own orga- It's a it's a feeder organization for World Strongest Man. That's okay. what it is. Yeah, that makes but sense. I do believe that it's a separate entity from World Strongest Man. Yeah, but his... it is kind of a direct feeder into
1: into that final. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I think it's one of the qualifiers you can do because it's like Arnold's and that one, and then World's Ultimate Strongman. I think that's one of those qualifiers.
0: Yeah. So I, I kind of lost track of uh, like all the paths to World's Strongest Man now. Um, You know, it used to be kind of invite only, more or less. Uh, Then they created Giants Live, which was, uh, you know, top three, I think, at each Giants Live gets gets an invite. Um, I think the top ten still get a, an invite the following year, the previous top ten. Uh, but World's Ultimate Strongman—I don't think anything has nothing to do with world Strongest Man, vice versa. Um, there were some invites out of SCL this last year, but I don't—I think that was there was no agreement. I don't—it might have been coincidental. Yeah, because um, that that whole relationship um actually split apart from world's strongest man and ifsa back in like the early very very early 2000s um the guys that run scl i believe they were part of the production crew and ifsa i don't know if they split first and went and started scl or if ifsa did because IFSA split away from world's strongest man right and went and started doing their own uh own thing world final um, and then I think the guys at SCL split somewhere in that similar time frame because I think that SCL started in 2003 or something like that. So, so yeah, I don't know if there's bad blood in there. <laughs> I don't know what the story is, but yeah. um, I don't think there's ever been or probably ever will be any real, <laughs> real association between SCL and, and WSM. I mean, it may change, but I don't know. But, but yeah, I think World's Strongest Man, for the most part, is, is Invite, only and um, qualifying through giant slot I could be wrong about that Arnold may get you an invite indirectly um, yeah. because because you did well or won at Arnold I, I don't know but Arnold now has its own qualifier process too right all the yeah. the satellite uh, foreign or overseas uh, Arnold's now fill, you know funnel up to the to the main Arnold here at columbus so.
1: is that i remember those uh it's funny when you mentioned the double sleeves i remember i think alexi novikov at the arnold's yeah. bona did double sleeves and double neoprene sleeves when they're like nine millimeter or seven millimeter sleeves like that's it's quite I a bit. He does it. It. i don't
0: know how he does it like i tried to put like my uh uh mark bell um little uh, forearm cuff and slide up on my elbow and pull my neoprene over and I can't clean a log. I I just like, I suddenly had, I lose the mobility. It cuts the circulation off. I, it, I don't know how he does that. Um, But, but Novikov is like the king. Is the king of cheat, man. <laughs> he's the
1: technician. I'm watching him do the Hummer deathlift with his feet. I'm,
0: I'm not saying that negatively. I'm like, okay. I'm saying that like strongman's for cheating. That dude leverages it in the smartest ways of anybody I've I've seen in a long
1: time. Yeah, because he's like he's he's super well educated and like, but he is the ultimate technician of you think of. It's interesting to see the transformation go from these static kind of static huge monsters to like someone like him who's doing it who's sometimes weighing in under 300 pounds which is really wild to think I think one time he weighed in at like 290 something maybe it was I forget but yeah no he's he because I think him and Rob Kearney are the only people who ever ever weighed in like less than 300 pounds
0: Um, no maybe. no um um Guy's name's escaping me now. They're not They're not the only ones. Uh, there was a guy that made finals back in, I don't know, 2011, 12, from Wisconsin. What is his name? It's going to come to me later. Oh, um, yeah. He weighed in about 165, or 265, rather. Um, that's going to bug me, because I've actually met him in person, and I can't even spit out his name now. I guess Maxime Boudreaux is not very big either. Yeah, there's been a few there's been Came a few years. certainly yeah. in the early years but um in probably the last 20 years uh, or so there's been a few under under 300 but yeah there was a big trend riding right? me mean, with the big giants like Shaw and Hathor and Z big Z that really trended bigger was better right um, Yeah
1: well, I think that makes a big difference but I think um I think uh, like we were saying though that standardization of like any way that we can grow the sport but also maintain that legitimacy especially as things get heavier. And yeah, absolutely. Cuz especially yeah, absolutely. when you said if it comes down to like a it's a handful of pounds like that can be the discrepancy of just one play. Could be I mean it could be anything right yeah um could be the it could be the implement it could be the clips
0: it could be anything on that implement throw you know that doesn't uh, doesn't add up to what's coded and again you know that's just just world records you know had some people you know comment that you know they'd like to see it across the board at all competitions and and yeah I mean I would too, right um, it would be really nice if we could get to that point where all weights are verified Um, but again, you know, being considerate of promoters and understanding that they are volunteering their time on limited resources, limited time, um, you know, there's gotta be a balance of, of, I think, understanding and expectation, right. Um, where does it really, does it really, really matter at the end of the day? You know, in regular competition, if, if everything weighs exactly what it says, no, as long as every athlete on, in that class is e- using the same weight, right, doesn't really matter. Um, but would it be nice if we could get to that point? Yeah, because because then yeah, again, you're, you're able to start building legitimate stats um, on athletes comparing, you know, like the class series is a good example, all of the events are the same. They're supposed to be the same, right? Same weights across all the events. Um, But we know there's going to be a little bit of variation. And and we've got to be a little accepting that as athletes, because again, well, while while they're able to pay out more money or money, period, more than anybody else has in the past, like that, that, that's not because they're putting a lot in their pocket. It's because they're foregoing a lot in their pocket, Right. So, so they're taking, they're making a sacrifice for the athletes themselves. And so there still has to be that understanding that, you know, maybe there's going to be a little bit of variation and that's okay. Because in that relative competition, all the athletes competed on the same equipment. Right. But, but again, it would be really great. I mean, I hope someday to see the sport get to a point where there is, you know, uh, a, a manner of standardization, at least in the weights of the. It implements right, relatively the same implements across all those competitions because then we can really, truly compare athletes uh, uh, performances in one competition to the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we really we we can't always because we don't know for sure that the weights are exactly the same. Again, you know at Clash on the Rockies, and i and I know, Someone's going to roll their eyes at me because I want to wrap this up. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you know, we did. We actually our axle actual deadlift was quoted at six twenty-five, and and our plates were hundred-pound standard plates, right? And I know those plates. I know where they came from. I weighed them before, right? They probably waited way closer to six forty or six fifty. Fine, whatever. We all did the same exact bar, right? Did matter in that competition, but. You know, whereas some of the other uh, competitions used those really nice rogue competition, well, they look like the rogue competition plates, which probably weighed exactly what – probably closer to what they said, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and some guys did, had some great – performance. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from those guys. Fucking fantastic performances, right? But is it – can we really truly compare, you know, did they do better than the guys at, at that clash? Probably didn't wait to see. It, right. So, right. so yeah, I mean, it would be great to get to that point.
1: And I think, too, it would be as someone who has been much more on like the volunteer side of things, I think it also helps head off some criticism that you face otherwise and everything. Cause I know for a fact of uh, when people see things like that or a lot of the complaints, then it is like blaming the staff and everything. Whereas it would be a simple thing to do of being able to say, here we waited out, here's this video of it. We know what we're doing and everything. I think just to like establish that trust and everything, because I think otherwise people do have those like concerns of you have people worrying like, oh, this wasn't really what he said it was. Whereas like it makes it easier on the staff, then there's less things you can complain about because it's like what it was.
0: Well, you know, I mean, there's there's also you know, there's no reason to be an asshole right to the staff or the promoter, (laughs) right?
1: People love to be that.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that goes in and, you know, complains endlessly and is a dick. Um, again, right. Have a little bit of understanding and empathy, but, but, but you're right though. At the same time, because we don't, you know, if you're promoting a show, I I imagine you want everybody to walk away happy. Right. That's kind of a, uh, should be a primary goal for most promoters anyway. you don't want anybody walking away feeling like they were cheated by any means. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if we can get to that point, great, it would be fantastic. Right. It would alleviate, I think a lot of those kind of behind the scenes um, feelings and whatever that maybe don't always come out because right. As, as a, as a sport for years, I mean, since I've been in it um, maybe not early, early, but for at least a decade or more, right. It's been, Frowned upon to, to to say anything, right? Yeah, we're not we're not allowed to say, we're not allowed to share our opinions. We're just supposed to say, you know, thank you so much. We're lucky we have anything at all, um, you know. But there's again, there's a fine line here. You don't need to be an asshole about it
1: uh, by any. Yeah. Especially um, now, the competitions are becoming more and more expensive to compete in. Yeah, like that exactly.
0: that's your money that you're paying, right? That's kind yeah. of the other side of the, the argument, where you know, to me. You know it's kind of bullshit to to silence people from having an opinion in this sport um because they're they're paying it's their money right I mean and, and at the end of the day, for the vast majority of athletes in the United States anyway are customers for the promoters right you're not you're you're not yeah. really an athlete at the end of the day you're a customer right and you're paying for entertainment and, and and if you're paying to be entertained, should you not get value for your money? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely you should, right? And 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 that's where, in my opinion, you know, talking about standards again, there's no, there's absolutely zero standards for um, amateur competition promoters. There's no standards. As long as they pay the the uh, sanctioning fees, they they put on as shitty of a competition as they want. Right. And, and people are going to pay for it. And they're, you know, by the kind of a a narrative that's been around for many years, they're not allowed to complain. Right. Yeah. Well, that's kind of bullshit too. Right. Um, If you want good shows, you have to demand good shows, right. You can't tolerate people putting on, uh, you know, paying a hundred dollars for a competition where you don't get the scoring, you know, they can't even bother to reverse score. The equipment falls apart, right? It's in a deteriorating back alley, whatever it is, right? If you're paying good money for it, at you damn right, in my opinion, right? Don't be an asshole about it, but you have a right to, to, to not be happy with it, right? And say, hey, we deserve better for what we're paying for. Right. We're working our asses off. We're paying a lot of money, pumping money into the into the sport. Right. We're supporting vendors, we're sporting promoters and everything else. Can we can we maybe just have some minimum standards?
1: Yeah, because I was looking I don't, that that's, uh, I don't think that that's wrong. Yeah. Two shows I was looking at for next year. One's one hundred seven dollars and one's one hundred fifty dollars. And there's nothing else that I would spend that money on and then be told I can't have an opinion about that. And that that makes a difference of like, especially to, because you want people to be coming back and everything, because it's one of these things that, I mean, you can gripe about it, people can gripe about it, but part of what's created Amazon success is like, you listen to your customers and like, try to consistently improve. And it's that idea of like, some people are saying hey we need to charge 150 for a show because we don't have enough people signed up and i'm like that should be kind of a warning right there of like ideally you want people to be excited to be there and to be to participate because you do see these things where you i've seen um i've seen things happen like one time there's two different yokes and they They were like, oh, these are 185 pound yolks. Turns out one's 165 and one's 205. That's a very different, that 40 pound gap is like
0: yeah,
1: huge. And I think these things of, I think advice for like promoters and people who like I've been involved in trying to help out is realizing that you could actually do that as like a promotional video for the event is actually showing, hey, we're weighing out the implements kind of give a rules meeting type video, but like I think most people would be kind of excited to see something like that. Be like, here are the rules for the wagon wheel deadlift. We've weighed everything out. Here's what we're doing and everything. I think transparency never hurts anything. And I think yeah. it helps create legitimacy. And like you said, this this sport is no longer a back alley thing. Once you have ESPN and so many eyes on you, I well, I mean, more and more. I mean, I mean, I uh, mean, I mean, clash is definitely not the back alley. Clash yeah. is doing. <laughs> well, no, clash that's has... what I mean is that it used to like things used to be years ago, but like clash has been a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, Anthony Furman
0: and and, and you know, TJ and well. Um, uh, Tyler, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on everybody's names, but, you know, those guys are doing a fantastic job. Um, yeah. No question game about game it. Game. I mean, they've raised the bar on quality of uh, equipment being used, uh, you know, but I mean, they're, you know, it, it's, it's open to a, a higher elite level athlete, right, that has earned their place at the table, um, It pays out a lot of money, you know, I mean, the most money I think any weight class athlete had, had ever earned previously um You know they're trying to produce a, a high quality product. I mean, there's a lot of motivation there for them to to put out uh, uh, put on quality shows. Um, you know, so so I don't think that's ever going to happen from that perspective. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just I mean, just in general, I mean, the vast majority of competitions in the United States are you know going to be amateur competitions, and you know, it doesn't. I don't know how to say this without sounding like a dick. But, I mean, amateur shows don't matter much to me anymore, right? Because um, I'm not going to compete yeah. in it, right? Um, I don't mean to sound pretentious, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of the truth. But at the same time, as someone who who rose up through those same ranks and has invested a, a shitload of money, um, you know, kind of pains me sometimes to see that the sport con- kind of deteriorated from when I started. Um, yeah. There was some, you know, at least where I started up in, you know, in the Minnesota area, um, promoters put on, took a lot of, put in a lot of effort to make sure that the little things, you know, happened. Again, you know, the, like, true 24-hour weigh-in, scoring was, was completely transparent and shared, reverse scored every event, um, You know, they weren't screwing up the, uh, the, the scores at the end, you know, and giving trophies to the wrong people or whatever happens, you know, out, out in amateur shows these days that I, that I've heard about, but, um, yeah, I mean, it it is kind of painful sometimes to look and see that, that the sport has become more, uh, at that level quality or quantity over quality. Right. Yeah. you know, and I'd like to, I'd like to see, uh, new athletes have a similar experience that i had you know early on but you know my experience is so too i mean it's part of the reason it pains me is because even when i was still an amateur um you know things started to change and and i started you know experiencing worse and worse competitions um you know i've been i've paid a lot of money for a show that i never saw my scores right i've paid a lot of money where you know i had to i had to cut and weigh in you know, 8 p.m. the night before and and somehow managed to replenish. Um, you know, I've paid for those shows and had equipment fall apart and have to finish on something else. You know, I mean uh, yeah. I've I've competed in the deteriorating back alley, you know? So um, you know, a lot of that's my own experience too. And and you know, I'd love to see some of that change, but it's not going to change, right? Unless athletes speak up and and, and maybe they don't care, right? I mean. Maybe yeah. they just don't care and they won't ever speak up, but uh, I wouldn't expect anything to change for the better if they
1: don't, right? I think there's a hunger for it though. I think, um, like a shout out to Iron Podium, their live scoring thing has been a game changer for local shows and everything. When it's utilized. When it's utilized, but that's the, that's also the thing because I it I, I have been surprised when people do pay for it and then they don't put all the scores in until the end. And I'm like, it's really great of like, we actually had one event where I was actually doing the scoring and I slightly messed stuff up. And the coach came over right after, like on the very first event, like I literally just hit enter. He came over, he was like, Oh, this is wrong. We went back, watched the video. And I was like, Oh, I was wrong. And we changed it right there. Whereas that's much harder to catch if you're waiting till the very end to like keep these things. And I think have simply like having the athletes sign off on what you're inputting is a, huge as well. But like you said, I think people people have to be passionate about what they do, and I think the Clash series has proven that there is passion there, and that it obviously is like a desire for like the high quality level of entertainment that the Clash delivers and everything. So hopefully, I think that'll trickle down to other places because I think yeah, people it, do want it those,
0: it and it may. I mean, I know that uh, Furman, I think, is promoting America's Strongest Man this weekend in Nashville. Oh, nice! Um, I, know a, I know he's got a big part in it. So, you know, maybe his passion will start helping to change, uh, the dynamic within, you know, uh, Stryman Corp and, you know, maybe USS too. I know that there's uh USS is starting to feed into the clash series, uh, from nationals. So, so, you know, maybe in time, things will change, you know, in some regard in, in, in those regards, um, but there's a lot to do. Right. And, yeah, uh, there is. and, and um, you know, more power to to them for, you know, putting forth, uh, you know, the money, putting up the money, putting the time in, you know, again, at the end of the day, you know, we've got to be understanding of of the promoters, right. By no means am I saying that everything has to change and change overnight and that, you know, fuck everybody that doesn't do it the way I say it Cause that's not, not what I'm saying at all, uh, I'm just saying that you know there is probably a point though that that uh, you know maybe some maybe some people shouldn't be doing putting on competitions if they can't meet some minimum standards, um, yeah. and I don't think that that's wrong at all, right I mean I'd rather see quality uh, over quantity. It would be much better to have fewer shows, fewer much higher quality shows overall. Um, and have, have, uh, you know, increase the the consistency and standards in the sport. I think it will make the sport look, uh, you know, uh, make it more legitimate, right? Uh, I think it presents a better image to potential sponsors. Um, And from a fan perspective, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that that's one of the reasons that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I don't think we have a big fan base in Strongman, but uh, I'm, I'm, Pretty positive. Part of it is, is because it's a, it's very difficult for the average layman to follow. First of mm-hmm. all, with the non-standardization, um, it's very difficult to follow big competitions that have you know 20 weight classes and <laughs> 500 people yeah. attending. You know, total chaos out on the field. But you know that's where that's where Clash is doing better. Right, doing a lot. Yeah. Uh, It's a much much smaller fields of single class athletes. Um, I think that's much more digestible from an audience perspective. So that's definitely, they're definitely moving in the right direction from that.
1: Yeah. And I think, like you said, that single class thing, because there are people of like, what is it, the Rogue Invitational 1.8 million views on the condensed version, 1.1 million for the live stream. Like there, there are eyes for it if it's easy to follow and well done.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, it's crazy that they still got that kind of viewership because I, I personally couldn't watch it. Um, <laughs> I couldn't watch the live. I mean, I was only there to watch The Strongman, though. I mean, one event every eight hours was like, mind-dumping.
1: Um, yeah. I I have a YouTube premium that I just kept in the background and would just come out occasionally to, like, see. But it was, um, I think, those condensed things. And, I mean, ideally, I think Clash also live streaming things will change things because I... I think people are kind of tired of having events that you only know what happened via an Excel spreadsheet that's going around the internet. You you see the cell phone footage and stuff.
0: One they're, I think they're tired of of yeah. watching for eight hours or ten yeah. hours too, right? I mean, you yeah. know, I think World Ultimate Strongman was the first to to do a live, maybe one of the first. They're certainly one of the first big shows, and um, while it was, you know, the quality of the equipment was fantastic and the you know the athletes were you know top level guys it was like it was like 10 hours long right I'm like yeah I't I don't have no anybody got time for that right Where classes classes is blasting through these shows now in like two and a half hours right It's tough on the athletes but you know uh, that's that's a sacrifice worth making in my opinion to to get through a show fast, make it more entertaining, make it more digestible and consumable
1: that's huge i mean i I definitely prefer those quaker shows because seeing what is it what the one event where they have the squats the max squat that like took forever like a two and a half hour event and everything like those things can be time consuming and everything
0: yeah i mean that's part of like strongman has always been you know this is where i kind of struggle People are going to hate me for saying this, but I've I've always struggled calling strongman a sport for a lot of reasons. <laughs> it's definitely more of a spectacle, right? Um, it's always been yeah. sort of a focus spectacle. That's I mean, that's where it started out. That's why you know everything is big and bulky and crazy shape and huge, right? Um, and that's why they do those kind of events, right? It's because the, the there's still part of that spirit of strongman that that survives. Is, this is a spectacle. Right. But but it a spectacle is not a sport, right? It's a it's a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> it's an exhibition of sorts, right? If you want to make it a sport, you know, that that kind of to me, unfortunately, some of those those big, bulky, slow moving events have to go. Or you have to have more equipment, one or the other, right? Um, if you want to still have those big events, you to make it entertaining for an audience, if that's your goal is to grow the audience rather than grow the the athlete body um you either have to eliminate those slow moving events um or you have to add equipment right so you're running multiple lanes so you can blast through it faster um, yeah just uh, to me that's that's a sacrifice you have to make if you want to be a sport and be entertaining um you got to have some standardization and you've got to move fast
1: yeah and I think uh, I think things are trending that way. The nice thing is there's plenty of stuff going on to that we can have strong opinions about going forward and everything.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah, we could talk about this all
1: day. <laughs> yeah, but the nice thing is, I think I'll yeah, I think this is good and everything for a first time. Um, do you have any last words,
0: inaugural episode. What's that?
1: You have any last words for the inaugural episode?
0: No, I mean, uh, we'll see what kind of shitstorm ensues. <laughs> hopefully it doesn't turn into too much drama and the mob comes after us with pitchforks and torches. Uh, <laughs> At least not yet. Uh, this was probably fairly a mi- fairly mild episode, and you know, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> yeah. we'll, see. we'll see if by the end of the year we still have our heads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it'll be good. And hopefully, I think the next one will be even better we're here
0: and and everything.